it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Gopalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg. Explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG guys. Hello and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omni-channel digital journey of brands and retailers. I'm your co-host, PVSB, and when I'm not podcasting, I serve as the Partnership Acceleration Lead at Flywheel Digital, the leading managed services company that helps brands accelerate e-commerce growth. I'm joined today for this episode by none other than the man goes by just one name. He is the wizard of Woodland Hills. He is an empresario in the world of digital commerce. He's the man known as Shri. Shri, how you doing? What's going on in the left coast? You're in La La Land today. How you doing? It's a big weekend for you and me, Peter. Do you know why? Could it be that the Dodgers are hosting the New York Yankees That's at Dodger right. Stadium? Three games set. We're only out two hours away from game one. Can't wait. I, I'm surprised you're not already broadcasting live from the stadium, Shri. I would have thought that you'd be there. Donaldson is back. Stanton is back. Then Tommy Connolly's back from injury. So we got to finally, we got the real Yankees. For those of you listening, if you haven't already figured this out, this is really a baseball podcast disguised as an e-commerce conversation. This is what we do. So we're not going to bore you to death. No, I'm just kidding, people. Um, thank you, Shri. And it's so good to have you on the episode today. We've got a great conversation in store. Before we get to our guest, I want to implore our audience to engage with this community we're creating by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, heck, your your home assistant, Google Home or uh, Alexa Echo will play the podcast, whatever you want. And of course, follow us on LinkedIn, right? Because that's where we publish new content each and every day of the week. Monday, we have CPG Bytes with Sean Halter. Tuesday, Jeff Malmut from Mindshare uh, brings us the Retail Media Minute. Wednesday, we have a new episode of the podcast. And of course, our Fresh Four co-host, Andrea Lay from Loom Group, shares her new series, Behind the Curtain. Uh, Thursdays, Brian Gildenberg, the third CPG guy, brings us to Gildenberg on the comment. And of course, Friday, he's back again with the newest podcast on our platform, Fast Forward. Uh, Saturday, it's a new CPG Guys episode. And of course, Sunday, we have the Fresh Four News Stories with Andrea and our friend Melissa Burdick from Packview. So full week of entertaining information. Hope you participate in that. And of course, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention how proud we all are to sponsor Next Up, formerly known as Network of Executive Women, whose mission it is to advance all women in business and to promote gender equality in the workplace. Uh, we're actually formal sponsors. We're uh, supporter levels of this program, and that affords us 50 memberships. And we're giving them away. We're giving them away to female entrepreneurs or women who work at companies that aren't involved directly with Next Up so that they can avail themselves of these networking and educational resources. So if you think you'd like to be part of that and your company isn't already a member of Next Up, give us an email at contact at cpgguys.com. We'll see if we can give you one of our memberships so you can enjoy the benefits of this incredibly worthwhile organization. The digital liner notes of this episode contain hyperlinks to our site, um, the other collective podcast sites in our group, so we're talking CPG Scoops, FMCG Guys, CPG Guys Fast Forward, they're all in the digital liner notes, uh, along with our landing page on Next Up's website. So, Shri, why don't you kick it off? What do we say to start our new episode? Let's go, CPG Guys! There. 
I know it's corny. We're a little cheesy here, but that's okay. I know, but we want to make sure the royalty and copyright part is protected. So I know we can't do the yeah we that Mike yeah we can't do that. We we can't violate copyright because then we have to pay money, and we don't like doing that. All right. So, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that our number one topic is retail media. It's really no surprise. It's what we love to talk about. It's the third wave of digital advertising after search and social. And frankly, it's growing at a much faster rate than the previous two waves. We've seen a massive emergence of new networks offering brands the ability to connect with shoppers, harnessing the power of first-party consumption data to build desirable audiences for the delivery of relevant advertising. Today's guest was recently appointed to the role of Vice President of Retail Media Plus and Monetization at The Home Depot. Following a decade working at the company where she has launched, developed, and grown The Home Depot's Retail Media Plus program, um, launched in 2019, Retail Media Plus is the largest home improvement retail media network, offering managed service and self-service media buying opportunities to supplier on The Home Depot's own properties and off-site media channels. Prior to joining the Home Depot, our guest had professional roles at notable organizations, including Cardlytics and MSL Group. She's here to speak with us today about the rapid transformation in retail media and how the Home Depot has built a very compelling platform for brands to invest their media budgets for success. Please join Shree and me in welcoming to the podcast, Melanie Babcock. Melanie, how are you? Welcome. Well, thanks. I'm doing great. How are you? We are terrific. It's, uh, you know, we record these on Friday afternoon, so we're sliding into the summer weekend. And obviously, Sri and I are getting geared up for a weekend of baseball. So nothing better than starting the weekend off with a great conversation about our favorite topics. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for this. Hey, before we get to the questions Sri and I have prepared, would you please uh, detail for our audience a brief overview of Retail Media Plus within the Home Depot and your specific response? Responsibilities overseeing this team. Mm -hmm. Sure, of course. Um, so I've been at Home Depot for almost 10 years. So retail media is truly a piece of the fabric of Home Depot. I don't see us as a distinct entity outside of Home Depot. We are a, a part of the Home Depot and our biggest responsibility is to impact and improve our customer journey. And we do that through Selling advertising on our website, yes, but also helping find customers out in the media landscape, whether it be through our media partners like Google and Facebook and Pinterest and those types of partners. So our job is to help our customer and our supplier connect and really improve the customer journey for our customer. My role at Home Depot is to grow this business in a way that is... Um, I know we've got a big pace of growth in retail media right now, but Home Depot as a company is a really, um, I would say, build and test and then launch type of mentality. And I think I have the same obligation here. How do we build and grow our product and our offering and our business to be part of the long-term success of our company and the long-term success of our suppliers. And so my responsibility is I'm the general manager. I oversee the entire business and it's everything from sales to product, to pricing, to data science. Um, it's, it's the full package. So um, I'm very honored to be here today, but very, very grateful that the Home Depot saw that this could be a huge part of our marketing program and a huge offering for our suppliers. Thank you for that overview, Melanie. We're going to include in the digital liner notes of this podcast links to your LinkedIn profile, 
the Home Depot's LinkedIn page and the Retail Media Plus site on HomeDepot.com uh, so that there are like 90% plus of the people who listen to this podcast do so on a mobile device. So you can don't have to write any of this down. Just toggle over in your mobile app. Go to the digital liner notes. Click on the hyperlink so that you can do a little research while you're listening to the melodious tones of our voice entertaining you and educating you at the same time. <laughs> um, anyhow, so thank you, Melanie. So uh, I'm going to kick it off with our first formal question and then Shreel follow and so forth. Because um, you got into this a little, let's double click down on it. You know, really, what was your vision for Retail Media Plus to enhance the customer experience of your shoppers? And I, and I have some experience having worked with the Home Depot in the past. I'd really like to understand, is it designed to have relevance to an individual shopper, someone going in, doing home repairs and what have you? Is it designed to reach the contractors who I've got to imagine represent a, you know, a core of your most valuable customers? Or is it both? Like, what is what is your vision for Retail Media Plus in terms of customer engagement? I've got a few ways to answer your question. <laughs> so our vision for Retail Media is, yes, we focus on two of our primary customers, consumers, people who own homes and are buying on behalf of their home to make their number one asset a more enjoyable place to be and live and, and raise their families. And then, of course, it's our pro contractor who is looking at Home Depot as their partner to strengthen their business and to drive value to them so that they can continue to serve their own clients. And so we look at both of those customer sets in a very unique way. And frankly, because of our ability to understand those customers so well, that's why we invested in retail media. So prior to retail media, my job at the Home Depot, and frankly, it was kind of a joint effort up until just recently, was I built our audience marketing practice. So that was harnessing our data in a way that made sense for marketing and for Home Depot marketing to go after customers when they need us. Unlike a mass retailer, we're a specialty retailer. We just happen to have 2,000 stores and, you know, we're, we're a big company. But the customer behavior is very different than in a mass retail situation. Our customers come to us eight to 10 times a year. This is on the consumer side. Pro is very different, by the way. And they're coming to Home Depot to solve a problem. Whether that problem is as simple as buying um, a hook or um, drywall screws or something like that for their home, that's an easier one versus doing a major renovation in their home. They still have problems to solve. And so by knowing the customer and identifying them in key categories around major renovations and people buying items and pros, we built our entire Home Depot marketing strategy on that foundation. And we were like, this is the foundation for a successful retail media platform as well. Because at the end of the day, our suppliers want to invest in the Home Depot retail media network because they want to get as close to the customer during those points of consideration and decisioning. And prior to retail media, and I'm sure this is true for all retail media networks, they could spend a lot of time and money investing in other media channels, but they never knew if their efforts paid off when it came to influencing and affecting a customer outcome. Retail media, and especially Home Depot retail media, helps our suppliers really understand where they lie in the journey 
the kind of customers that they interact with that wants their product, and then the customers who actually transacted. And that's the big piece of information that I think is missing when you look at other non-retail media outlets. And so that was really the foundation of retail media for us is, hey, we've got this really outstanding customer data. And I I know everyone thinks their customer data is great. And I am super biased because I think mine is too. But the way that we've arranged our data into these customer projects and the questions that they're trying to answer for themselves, I think is what is unique to us and unique to our suppliers. I like saying that we're the last mile delivery of media. And if you're in retail, you know how hard it is to do the last mile delivery. You spend so much time on all the other things and you're like, I just got to get it to the customer. And um, I think that we are the last mile in the media landscape to deliver that kind of connection and that kind of influence on the customer experience from supplier to Home Depot and the customer. In terms of last mile delivery, there's the media piece, but there's the actual last mile delivery. I go to Home Depot quite a bit living here in California and owning a home. I got to tell you from a click and collect standpoint, I look at Home Depot as my number one example of speed, accuracy. The fact that y'all can still let me get, let me, let's just say I'm looking for, like I was looking for cabinet screws last night. It's $2.99 to get one screw, but the fact that I was able to get a click and collect on that, not have to go in store and browse aisle 837 and within, you know, literally two minutes of being in my parking spot, I get the product that is still legendary. I got to say it's the market leader across the board for any industry. And that makes me want to come back. So I'm probably one of those that's far exceeds the 10 times a year. Um, That said, you gave us a little bit of a, look a peek under the tent here in terms of how you go to market and how you harness data to do it, including details such as 10 times a year, visitors and things of that, your guests and your shoppers, et cetera. But I I would love to get into what you think, Melanie, distinguishes you or differentiates you from your competitors. And you've got quite a few competitors. I don't think it's just the hardware stores as your competitors. Mass merchandise does sell a lot of things you all do as well as a specialty store. That's right. So what differentiates you guys' retail media strategy from many of those? And then it'll be helpful for our audience who want to invest with you to also know uh, some dimensions around your audience reach, frequency, and things of that nature, whatever you can provide. Sure. Um, So I think that you're correct. We are not devoid of competition outside of our category. Like we'd see mass as a big competitor. Um, in areas like screws or in hardware or even in decor, right? We have a huge decor business. Um, so that's what's fun about Home Depot, by the way, as a marketer. And I think you would appreciate this. Every aisle at Home Depot is its own independent business, if you want to think of it that way, with a unique set of products and a unique set of competition. And what connects all those aisles is the customer because they're shopping across the aisle as they complete their project. And so that customer does become that single connective tissue um, to really drive the connectivity of all the different products at Home Depot. So the customer, and I hate to keep saying the customer over and over again, but it truly is. We offer the ability to identify a person who is in a bath project. If you're a mass retailer and you do customer segmentation, what are you using to segment those customers? It's generally some sort of demographic detail 
or some sort of psychographic detail. And, and I have similar um, data available to me. But at the end of the day, if I asked you right now, who is in a bath project? Who is in a lawn care project? That is a very difficult question to answer. And you need a really strong source of first party data to then map and, and connect all these aisles at Home Depot to go, you're in a bath project. So let's say all three of us were in a bath project. Our project starts are very different. Maybe yours is with vanities and mine's with tile and yours is with construction. We're all looking at different elements, your age, your demographic information, you where you live, like that doesn't factor in because you're in a project. And so we had to create indicators of project behaviors and mass retailers aren't going to spend their time doing that because it's not their concentration. They're not experts at home improvement. We are. Yes, they sell a can of paint and yes, they may sell a power tool, but do they know the connectivity between that can of paint and that power tool? Because there is a lot of connection. And so our ability to anticipate a customer who declares that they're in a bath project and they don't declare it loudly, they click on a lot of things and then they come back later and click on different things. And then we have to do a lot of deterministic and probabilistic modeling to say you're in a bath project. You also may be in a lawn care project and that's okay to be in two projects, but do I prioritize one over the other for you? Cause I don't want to overwhelm you. So knowing all of this, and we've spent years building this data. So not only can we identify customers, yes, I want to reach someone 25 to 54. Great. I can do that. Fine. But for someone who has a supplier who has a home improvement product, they want to know when did you start making that decision about that bath project? That is something that the masses retailers just don't concentrate on. Could they? Sure. But do they have a better opportunity in electronics or fashion or food? Yes, they do. Those are higher spenders for retail media. We have to be experts in our field, in our domain, and bring that expertise to our suppliers. And so, yes, our suppliers do participate in those other retail media networks. I think it's, it's good business. It's good practice for them. But they know by coming to Home Depot that they're going to hit the customer at the right time at all those points of consideration. Because, by the way, buying an item at a mass retailer doesn't require, may not require a lot of research. But going back to what you just asked at the end of your question around some of our data, our customers spend a lot of time on our website researching, which is the other really big point of differentiation. We established an interconnected retail strategy in our company, gosh, well before my time, and I've been there for 10 years. So that was very intentional. How do you connect the online and mobile experience to the store? We didn't want those two things to compete. We wanted them to be complementary and be brothers in providing a great customer experience. And because of that, you can see it in the consumer behavior. They spend enormous amounts of time on our website researching and considering and thinking. And there is a high connectivity between that activity and going to the store. And I think that that is a great differentiator for our retail media network versus mass. We may look the same. You have sponsored product ads. I have sponsored product ads. 
You have email inclusion. Me too. You know, we have all the media types that I think everyone else does or is getting into or we're testing and they're further ahead of us or we're ahead of them. Yes, we have those same things. But at the end of the day, a home improvement supplier is going to want to talk to a home improvement customer at each part of those journeys. And we know how to identify them because finding a bath customer in the wild is really hard, if not impossible. To our audience, I want to commend Melanie on deftly articulating the power of behavior-based customer segmentation behavior, not only in what they buy, but combining that with how they're browsing, not necessarily what they've purchased yet, as leading indicators. You're looking for propensity signals in advance. And what she's done here is really shown how powerful. I look at it to some degree is it's like the next generation beyond uh, what what's it akin to in grocery we've got trip segmentations to some degree you know it's a fill in trip it's based upon what how much they buy what they're buying you can behaviorally segment shoppers based upon their their price elasticity and what they're doing what they've done is really gone to the heart of what consumers are using the store to do. And it, it is project-based. And doing something for your kitchen is fundamentally different than doing something for your lawn. And understanding that allows brands to reach those consumers, to Melanie's point, at the beginning of the process so that they can have an influence on what the outcomes are. So thank you for that. I should also mention the fact that my daughter is such a huge fan of the Home Depot. Now, she, she doesn't actually call it the Home Depot. She's four years old. Um, she's an avid fan of the Australian TV cartoon, uh, Bluey, and there's an episode there called Hammer Barn. And so when we walk in, she starts screaming, Hammer Barn, Hammer Barn. Like, okay, that's good. Um, so that is, <laughs> that's, love that. we, she loves going through the store. Like, Daddy, what are we going to go? We got to go down that aisle. We got to go down that aisle. So anyhow. Well, you need to take her to a workshop oh, for Sunday God. of the month or Saturday of the month. I'm sorry. You'll, you'll have her sold for life. I have no doubt of that. All right. So let's. Let's get down to the brass tacks on this, uh, Melanie. I think it's useful for our audience to really understand what can brands use to engage consumers. So I want to start with your on-site advertising that Retail Media Plus offers. Can you walk us through what are the different um, treatments that they can use and what are the details behind the ability to target? You've kind of given an indication there and also any of the bidding or auction capabilities around this. Mm-hmm. Um, so our website offers three primary ad units. I'll keep it to that. We have the banners, which are in various forms. Um, we have PLA, we have carousel ads, and then we have sponsored ads. I think from if you're rack and stacking us to mass retail, who is much bigger than me, we have a lot more development of product that we can come out with. Again, like I said at the beginning, we make darn sure that these things work before we launch them. <laughs> so we are, have a, a pretty robust roadmap. Every ad is either auction-based, including our banners, or a direct buy. Our suppliers are segmented by spend into tiers. Depending on your tier, you have availability to be first right of refusal to some of the direct buys but the auction base is open to all. Our company grew up offering banner opportunities to suppliers during major event times of year. Last weekend was Memorial Day, big event for the Home Depot, big event for the stores and homedepot.com. 
they like banners. They think that they're getting their message out to a customer who, by the way, we also have this customer segmented. People will only shop events <laughs> in our stores because they think they're going to get some sort of uh, you know new lower price or, or bundle. And so we know those customers too. And so this is their time to speak to a customer who maybe isn't shopping at Home Depot with a lot of frequency. They're an event shopper. So banners are a popular item for me. Sponsored search, I think, has a lot of room to grow. We have a very, very close relationship with our president of HomeDepot.com. So my organization, and I know this is probably one of your latter questions, is we report into the chief marketing officer. So I am in the marketing organization. Our head, our president of HomeDepot.com sees retail media as one of his primary priorities for the growth and the health of HomeDepot.com. So I have incredible buy-in. And let me tell you, it is necessary to have incredible buy-in because you're coming in and you're changing the game. I'm going to change how many slots you have for organic search versus I have for paid. And there's just a lot of considerations. And I have a lot of really smart people and great teams across IT and ad tech and MarTech and, and online and search and rec and data science all coming together to go, what is the best sponsored search strategy? And I think we're in our, I wouldn't definitely not say early days. I would say we're about 40% into that journey, but we have more to go. At most, what I've learned, how about this? This is what I've learned. This is hearsay. So I'll say that. Other retail media companies really channel their investments into sponsored search. We don't. We have a very, very balanced media mix, mainly because the way our customers shop. Again, lots of consideration up front, lots of time spent on site researching, and then the purchase decision versus maybe mass, you jump over because you're looking for that thing. Maybe I'm looking for a cell phone case and I'm going to look really quickly and buy something. Sponsored product search is extremely important for that supplier's strategy on that mass retailer site. But on my situation, because we have so much consideration and and research, we got to hit them at all these different points. And so my sponsored search is the product is great. It works beautifully, but it's not our biggest area of investment. It is spread evenly throughout our media team. We call ourselves the company inside Home Depot um, is launched both online and offsite at the same time. I think that's unique to us. I think most retailers launched on-site and really focused on honing in the on-site experience. We did both. And it was because our merchandising partners, our suppliers really saw the demand that needed to be created by retail media. So on-site and off-site grew at the exact same time. So we really have a diverse media investment from our supplier. You know, I also believe being such a regular a visitor of Home Depot and purchasing a ton of stuff from there. I also believe your user base is using the app a lot versus the website. Yes, it is. And it would be a horrible user experience. Just one person's humble opinion over here to have sponsored search come back with the results, especially when you're in the consideration set. As a consumer, a shopper, somebody doing a project, you want the liberty and flexibility to be able to pick what you want yourself. And the app actually allows me to do that today. So I think I love the concept of a 
diverse media mix. There was a time and place when sponsored search was necessary. I think that was largely through COVID when people want to be in and out in five seconds and they knew exactly what they wanted to buy. The research was already done at home on the website. But even that's a trap because if you go to the website and you get sponsor search, you're back to square one. So I think now where we are, retail media is a full funnel marketing engine. That's right. Where there should be brand objectives up top, which is awareness and things of that nature. But um, let me move over to exactly that question for you, Melanie, which is my belief now is retail media, as I just stated, is a full funnel marketing engine. So let's jump just a tad into what um, the engagement happens with your shoppers and consumers further up the funnel. Can you share with us some of the uh, key partnerships you've established with third parties to actually enable this? Because a lot of the browsing, searching, discovery may not necessarily happen on HomeDepot.com. It may happen in Google is just one example. It could happen on Facebook as an example. So I would love to learn from you how you guys are doing it and what partnerships you have. Yeah, um, I love this question because I think that we've done a lot, but we have a lot more to do. So again, starting that, I, I'm just going to tell you as a, a how we started retail media was I ran the social media buying team. And Facebook at the time, they weren't meta, they were Facebook. They came to me and said, you have a lot of headroom for retargeting. Meaning you have some budget, but you have all this opportunity. And I thought, you know who would love to buy some retargeting ads? Our suppliers. Because it is the lowest of the low on the performance, and it's about pulling customers back. And so I created a portal where customers, our suppliers, could buy their retargeting ads (laughs) to pull back into Home Depot and, and sell. And it was a true partnership with Facebook. I went to them. I went and I built a portal with another company. I worked with seven suppliers and I said, how are we going to do this? And that's how retail media started on the offsite side. So Facebook was, was, a, was really leaned in because it was their um, insight that drove this idea and it worked. And the suppliers are really excited about it because again, it's that last mile that they were blind to and now they could see it and they got really excited about that. So we then um, had a, at the time, and we still do, but at the time this was like kind of newsworthy, we created a really big relationship with Pinterest. We have a high overlap of customers who start their planning process on Pinterest and come to Home Depot to complete their project. And Pinterest at the time narrowed their focus to a few key categories and home improvement was one of them. So we went to them and said, you know, how did we had a, a bigger overall Home Depot Pinterest partnership, not retail media oriented, but just in general. And so they were one of the first partners that came to us and said, let us tell you more about what we're seeing with retail media. And so they leaned in. Of course, like most retail media networks, we started in that lower funnel category. A, it's data feed, product feed driven. So there you go, eliminates the need for creative. And it was creating results. And everyone wanted to see if I put a dollar into this machine, is it going to produce the sales? Just now we're hearing, I want this to be full funnel. What's next for my brand? We know the lower funnel works and you've provided Google shopping, programmatic display, Facebook retargeting and DPA. You've done Pinterest shopping. And those are really viable ad units that drive the intent of the campaign and drive sales. Um, We love that. What's next? 
And so now what we're doing, and we literally just have full day sessions with all of these partners is to say, what is next? What are they seeing? And not to go into any kind of privacy stuff, but like, what are they seeing that we should be apply to our business? And video, of course, is the big question. Everyone wants to do video. So right now we have a few partnerships. We have some great partners. Um, we have a partner called Bear. They're our paint provider. They're exclusive to the Home Depot. Wonderful marketing group. They are constantly looking for innovative ways to tell their story. And so we are doing CTV um, with them this year. Similar conversations with some of our lawn care big players. And so I think that we're exploring more around how to deliver more video assets, whether it be assets that are living on our site in a banner or through more CTV partnership or even offsite because video seems to be the place where consumers are clearly through TikTok and reels. I mean, you're seeing video is a high consumption medium. Our suppliers want to, they have a lot of video, they have a lot of content and they want to use that now in retail media. So we're working very closely with our partners across all of those categories. Google also being a big partner of ours to say, how do we extend into that awareness and consideration, more upper funnel brand level categories to bring products together to our supplier, because at the end of the day, they have to be measurable. Absolutely. Everyone can throw a video out there, but can you tie it back in a closed loop reporting scenario, both online, in app, in store, and remove anything else that's in that basket to say that ad drove that sale. And so we have spent years building that capability. And now it's about building on ad types that drive the suppliers, brand objectives down to KPIs that are in partnership with that brand objective. So maybe your brand objective isn't a sale. And I'm going to tell you something that's hard because we've been selling sales as our primary KPI. Our primary value is sales and we will always be sales for retail. It's so funny when I first came to Home Depot, I'm like, I know your objective is sales, but what's the other one? You know, because that's always the objective. But in a brand situation, what are the KPIs that we know are good KPIs that the brands want? Because sales will be smaller because that's not the intent of the ad. So many CTV partners we are talking to, all of the major digital players. Um, but frankly, we're doing it in partnership with um, like Yahoo is our DSP. We just did a big session with them, really leaned in. These companies are leaning in. I think when we first started this, it was a little bit like, what, what are you doing? Ooh, mm, are you competing with me? And I finally had to get everybody in the room and go, I'm not competing with you. <laughs> I'm increasing your budgets. And they went, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, all the the, the strategy people and they all came to town. So um, it's been great to see the evolution of those partners. And for us, we have kind of maybe smaller platforms that are like Nextdoor and some others that are very home-related that we would like to lean into next um, after we've kind of solved the big guys. Because again, we just have a unique set of suppliers and, and products that will allow us to do those types of relationships. I'll remind our audience that Shree and I are speaking with Melanie Babcock. She's the Vice President of Retail Media Plus at The Home Depot. That's terrific, Melanie. Uh, my head is spinning. Shree's going to do a recap at the end. So uh, you shared a lot of information with us, and that's exactly what our audience wants. They want to be educated on 
how you've built this powerful platform. So now let's talk about you have on-site, you have off-site. People are going in the stores. They're bringing their mobile devices with them. How is the Home Depot ensuring a seamless integration of retail media across the various channels and online and offline touch points? And how is that contributing to the joint business planning that's going on between these important brand advertisers, your supplier of yours, and your category merchants? Um. We are in the early days of building, we call it the in-store network. I know that's really fancy, fancy name. And I think it is, if you don't work in retail, you don't realize how sacred the stores are. When I first came to Home Depot, I had an idea and they're like, oh, that involves a store. Melanie, can't do that. I got to interrupt you for one second there. And the reason I'm going to do it is because Peter and I have been saying all your January, we're post-COVID, stores are sacred, stores matter. That's where the trips are coming back and people really, really need to focus. So I, for one, love that you have a word called in-store network. Yes. Uh, monetization is in my title on purpose. I put it there. <laughs> I added that in monetization because Home Depot has phenomenal assets that maybe look like liabilities on a P&L. And those are 2,000 stores. And to me, that's the largest digital out-of-home advertising network that I can invest in. And so we're looking at it in a way that honors our store and its operating model. So number one, think if you've been to a Home Depot recently, our bays go from floor to ceiling. Unlike maybe a mass retailer, they cap off at, you know, 11 feet or whatever that is. I don't know the actual number. We are a working warehouse. That's what we call ourselves because our products are stored up in the top, similar to some of those other mass warehouse stores. So when you drop power to the middle of a bay or middle of an aisle, that takes a lot of coordination, right? And so the in-store network, again, like I said at the beginning, you have to prove it and prove it and prove it to go this works. We spent a year in three stores. How do we work with the store? How do you bring in power? How do you service a, a screen? How do you make sure it doesn't annoy the associate who stands in that aisle eight hours a day? Would you like to be annoyed for eight hours a day with a screen? You know what they'll do? Unplug it. How do you ensure that you can capture when a customer is standing in front of the screen and that you actually are recording a true impression? Can you connect that screen back to a sale in the store? Really hard stuff. (laughs) And so we spent in three stores for a while figuring that out. And then we went to 50 stores. We were like, okay, should we move the screens throughout the stores? Well, we are a seasonal business in some of our departments, for instance, our garden departments or our, um, you know, our, our grilling departments, those are seasonal. Do we move things around? Do we keep them fixed? And so we had a couple of years of good learnings under our belt. And our biggest thing was you can't put a screen in a bay and disrupt either how much product is on the shelf. You can't do that. Because those stores all count. Those are all measures. Those are all counts, right? So you can't reduce the number of products on the shelf and you definitely can't disrupt the customer from reaching and getting a product. You don't want to disrupt that experience. You need to be additive. So we have come up with some really cool stuff. In my opinion, I have super smart people on my team. Thank goodness. 
We're really passionate about this. We partner extremely closely with our in-store environment team because they are responsible for what the in-store environment looks like and how it operates. So they are a co-partner of ours. I just met with our head of stores, Amory Campbell. She's looked at everything and everyone's really positive about advertising entering into our stores because we have taken the years to figure out how to effectively do this in the operations of that sacred store that we have. And again, taking into consideration of all those things. And oh, by the way, um, if you're in a cleaning aisle, can you show an ad of a power tool? Well, online and sponsored search, you wouldn't do that because it's relevant, right? You would search for cleaning. It'd be weird to see a patio set in search results. Maybe not in a banner, but definitely in search results. Is that the same? So now all of a sudden you start asking yourself questions like that. And I'm like, well, I don't think I would. And of course, then you go back to how you feel as a consumer. Well, if I'm buying a cleaning product and I see an ad for a power tool, I don't, that's fine by me. So like a lot of those consideration points um, have to be, and that's in a very close partnership with our merchandising team. Our merchandising team has to be in lockstep with us. We are not independent from them. We are a source of help and power for them to achieve their goals and create a phenomenal supplier experience with them and with us. So we are very close. And um, that is also inclusive of the in-store. So we are still building. I'm just going to let you know. I don't think we've solved all the problems or cracked all the nuts, but we will be rolling out in major markets. We have a, a big rollout plan over the next few years to have these screens in the store that meet all those requirements um, because we believe it's going to be probably one of the best ways that we can connect online advertising interconnected experience to the store. Speaking of that partnership with the merchants, which you obviously have just said you're very close to, I'm sure they are going to ask you the same thing I am right now, which is measurement. Retail media campaigns need to be successful no matter where the investment goes in that full kind of full marketing mix you described as opposed to just lower funnel search and e-commerce in that sort of scenario. Can you tell us how you partner with brands to measure the performance of retail media campaigns on Home Depot? And uh, I'd love to learn about the methodologies that you have and are they consistent with what brands are requiring to shift what we would call legacy marketing budgets from yesteryears into your platform? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny as a um, I just want to say this as a marketer who spent 10 years in retail and as a person who's responsible for media, um, it is a very different job than I think other kinds of media jobs. You are expected to show extreme measurement and performance and the rigor of that is required in a company like Home Depot, who has so much rigor around metrics that are important to our business, whether that's in stocks or supply chain metrics or in-store metrics, like those are tried and true and been around for you know many years. And so now we had to come in and build similar metrics. And so um, I can prove with very little doubt how much sales we drive as a Home Depot media team. We brought that same rigor to our suppliers. Um, our suppliers through their co-op dollars would give us dollars and we would tell them, hey, this campaign did this, this event did really well in marketing, but it wasn't about them 
or the products that they were trying to promote. It was about how we did as a team. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that as our suppliers and all anyone, CPGs, they have more pressure on them to prove that their budgets are driving the intent. And how do you measure that? And how do you know that that's happening? So I think we have more work here. So I'm going to say that to you. I think we have more work here. Um, I hired a fantastic person last year to lead my measurement team. He came from another retailer and worked in retail media. So he came with a, a lot of experience. And our first step into measurement, the methodology was we are going to give the brand. So let's say Bear, and Bear has a lot of paint brands. They have a lot of stain brands. They have a lot of brands. We're going to give a brand measurement of ROAS. So if someone's buying paint and they're buying the accessories like paint brushes or rollers, and those are not Bear products, we're going to strip them out of the basket, both online and in store. And we are going to show how this ad drove this customer to online or in-store sales. And we're going to remove the other products so that we didn't overstate our worth. Um, and that was really great. I think that that was a really great first step to build trust with our suppliers around that their dollars are working on their behalf. Um, where I think we need to grow is we are doing some testing with giving um, some impression level data to some suppliers to see if that works in their media mix model so they can make those assessments. We are a very transparent team. Our number one goal is to be the best service organization in retail media, best partner, knows your business really well, drives partnership internally with merchandising. Um, we want to be easy to work with and transparency is one of those things. And by the way, not all retail media ads work and that's because not all advertising works. <laughs> so I think there's high expectation that everything's going to blow it out of the water. And sometimes you need to look at the numbers and go, but that was worth it because it was, you know, for a different purpose, right? So we're looking at different forms of how to help our suppliers feel that their investments are being paid off in a way that they feel confident to continue to reinvest and to increase their investments. So we have a lot of work to do there. The brand ROAS is helping. We do it by channel and by ad type. And then the um, this MMM integration is early days for us, but I think that's going to help as well because it brings the data into their sandbox, frankly. Um, other forms of metrics that I think that we need to go into is back to the in-store network. There's a lot of like conversation around attention metrics. And I think that that's probably one of the best metrics that we could bring into the in-store environment is, did you get the attention of that aisle shopper, of that customer? And does it really have to drive, is, is sales the ultimate outcome? It always is in retail. Yes, the answer is yes. But there are other things that we can measure. And so we're exploring there. I think we have a really healthy start, but we have a lot of room to grow. The one area that I am, I get challenged on and I'm challenged by is incremental. And let me tell you why that is. <laughs> the frequency, I think I'm being compared to mass when I get that question. And if you look at the customer and their behavior, again, I'm removing pro, pro shops daily with us. Thank goodness. Hey, pros, if you're listening, shop more. They shop daily. They have more of a mass behavior. 
Our consumers don't. I always ask this question of my partners to underscore my point. When is the last time you bought a can of paint? Most likely your answer is five to seven years ago. Now, not during COVID, a lot of people bought paint, but most categories at Home Depot, other than seasonal and cleaning, you don't enter the category, but for every five to seven years. So you're always new and incremental versus maybe measuring in mass where you're coming every week and maybe you buy, I'll use milk because that's not highly branded, one brand of milk one week, but you buy another brand of milk the next week. That could be an incremental sale because you bought that other brand because you were influenced by that ad. That's harder for me because everyone is constantly new to the category because your frequency of purchase is five to seven years. You're not buying a refrigerator every weekend. And if you are, please buy at the Home Depot. But like, and on top of that, the products change dramatically. They get better. The technology gets better. There's accessories that didn't exist before that are make your job easier, make your job look better. Like there's all these things. And so it becomes a hard question for me to answer around incremental sales. It's easier for my cleaning partners, like P&G, Clorox. We can do like, did they buy in the last quarter or not? But boy, that incremental one just sticks with me and I'm still trying to solve it. I want to remind our audience that you should be visiting cpgguys.com where you can find all of our content. And if you think you or your company has some thought leadership to contribute to our community discussion, drop us an email at contact at cpgguys.com and maybe you can join us on a future episode of this podcast. Uh, Don't forget to drop us a rating while you're at cpgguys.com from the navigation bar at the top. We want your feedback. Give us a review. Uh, We want to have guests on, terrific guests like Melanie, uh, that our audience is looking to hear from. So please give us your feedback there. And thank you, of course, to the 22,000 plus followers of us on LinkedIn. Melanie, Shree and I really want to thank you for taking the time today to speak with us and tell us about the Home Depot's Retail Media Plus Network. As I mentioned, we'll have links to uh, your site and your profile in the digital liner notes. We're so grateful to have you come here and tell us about why brands should be investing with Retail Media Plus. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, Sri, I'm going to turn to you. What a treat to have Melanie join us for this episode. Tell us all about Retail Media Plus from the Home Depot. What were some of the things that you want to call out from what she shared? You bet, Peter. So, Melanie, I love that right up top you started with this as literally one of the first few sentences, ability to understand customers well with the data we have, and that is so true. And then uh, that comes from your audience harnessing background you have over the course of your entire career. Then we got in a little bit into uh, details on Home Depot itself and the customer visits and average customer comes 10 times a year and they're looking to solve a problem. So that's the interface. So that's the challenge you also try to look into from a retail media perspective. How fast can you help them solve the problem that they come for not hover around, just be there forever? And the way one of the anchors that you do that on is thinking of every aisle as an independent business, but the customer as the connector and the heartbeat of bringing each of those aisles together into one for Home Depot. And then we started jumping into things like, hey, a consumer could be working on a kitchen project, a bathroom project, whatever the case might be, a bath project, including the details that you're able to provide. Uh, What details is the brand looking to learn? And you're able to provide those details and then We call them indicators of project behaviors with the likelihood of purchase, which is, my gosh, 
likelihood of purchase with the indicators of the behavior. That's like taking the entire path to purchase from start to finish and identifying when it'll actually go to the lower part of the funnel. And then we came up with the term, what it is, is essentially behavior-based customer segmentation, showing propensity signals. That's exactly what you spoke to. Uh, in terms of your capability itself, your auction-based ad placement, and uh, that includes even the banner buys. Sponsored search, obviously, we talked about it quite a bit. You don't anchor like many others do in this space in retail media on sponsored search again, which means your partnerships outside of uh, Home Depot's retail media network that links back all the way to DSPs is equally important. And you said you don't focus just on the sponsored search because you want to make sure that customers can actually do a lot of upper funnel activity when they get to Home Depot's um, various properties. And then you gave a example of offsite where how all this started with Facebook. And then you moved to seven partnership to be able to totally blow this up and how you have full day sessions with partners on what's next. And then um, you said video could be the next big frontier here and video shopping could be the next best frontier while time will tell. You also emphasize that even if it's video, it must be measurable. Simple engagement alone cannot be enough. And then we got into in-store where you said it's still early stages of the in-store network, but it's important that you stay connected with the Home Depot.com team and the Home Depot in-store merchant team because the store is sacred. It's a working warehouse. I love that word too. And the screen-based digital network will be the future of uh, retail media in-store. And you talked about how it could be a seasonal element. For example, gardening is a seasonal element mostly over summer and warmer months in many states in the country. You can't put a screen in the shelf that disrupts gardening in those seasonal months in any way or form whatsoever. And then the screen would be relevant only in a certain time of the year in that example that you gave. Then we jumped into measurement. You acknowledge that measuring in retail media is taking on a much more deeper focus than any other form of media does. And it's actually made it pretty tough for everybody. And brands are under pressure to justify every penny on every topic. And uh, trying to give a brand a measurement of ROAS, you jumped into the Bayer example, which I love because I buy Bayer print all the time myself. And um, you acknowledge more work needs to be done in the space in the entire industry. Your goal is to be the best service partner to brands through transparency, keyword, and incrementality is your next challenge. How'd I do? Well, Sri, thank you for that quite succinct and comprehensive summary. And if, as always, I want to thank you uh, for joining Brian and me in guiding this community conversation. To our audience, hope you learned a little bit today. Hope you had a little fun. And we look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability 
or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.